This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Los Angeles has long been a city of dreams. With its ideal year-round climate, the power of the movie and television industries to spark passions and trends, and its celebration of celebrity culture, LA has always been a hotbed of creativity, talent, and innovation. The city has embraced styles as diverse as Spanish Mediterranean, Hollywood Regency, Art Deco Glamour, the mid-century case study house, the elevated farmhouse look, and bohemian decadence, sometimes all at once. What LA loves, the rest of the country often imitates. So what's next, design-wise, for the City of Angels? I have with me three of the most successful of the next generation of LA designers. They have different approaches, but much in common, including a love of the city, and an understanding of what their clients want and what will be shaping interiors in the town and possibly the rest of the country in the years to come. Betsy Burnham is a native of Connecticut and initially worked in the fashion industry in New York. But since founding her firm in L.A. in 1996, she has become a touchstone for a kind of relaxed, family-friendly L.A. style. Her firm, Burnham Design, is known for tailored yet colorful and casual rooms, a style she terms as, quote, a little bit country club, and a little bit rock and roll, end quote. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. So glad you're here. Jeff Andrews has crafted homes for a wide variety of L.A. celebrities, including Kelly Cuoco, Ryan Seacrest, Kris Jenner, and Kourtney Kardashian. But he's equally proud of the work he does for the city's creative families, merging glamour with comfort. He designs furniture for A. Rudin, rugs for Mansour Modern, and wall coverings for Aztec. And his first book is appropriately titled The New Glamour, Interiors with Star Quality. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Michael. How are you? Good. Glad you're here. Thank you. Mimi Shin, like Betsy, began her career in fashion, serving as an editor at Vogue and Harper's Bazaar before obtaining a master's in architecture at UCLA and falling in love with the city. Her rooms are clean-lined and accessible, with a youthful spirit informed by her love of modern art and fashion and her knowledge of architectural principles, which also inform her furniture designs. Her work has been featured extensively in the press, including in Lux and Los Angeles magazines. Welcome, Mimi. Hi, Michael. Nice to see you. So LA, a city we love and you guys live in. So I want to get a sense from each of you because everybody knows LA is home to movie and TV stars. But you know, what amazes me about the city is how much creative talent there are in so many fields, whether it's an agent, a script writer, a set designer, a makeup person. So I'd love to get a sense from you. And we'll start with you, Betsy. Who are your clients and what do they do beyond the obvious celebrity clients that you do or don't get? I don't know. Or, you know, often you can't talk about celebrity clients, but who comes to you for your work? I find that my clients are very real people. I mean, there's a lot of people in finance, which you don't think of when you think about Mm -hmm. L.A. Of course, there's a lot of people behind the scenes and not so behind the scenes in the entertainment industry. It's not all celebrities. And we can have a conversation about celebrities, too. But (laughs) We'll get there. Don't worry. But, you know, I have definite feelings about them. They're just real people, real families that I work for. I think people tend to forget it is a town. 
And it's there's grocers and there's architects and there's car dealers and all kinds of people live in L.A. No, there are. I mean, I've got an art consultant I work for, all kinds of people, but most somewhat creative, interestingly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a very creative time. What about you, Mimi? Who are your clients? I was going to say the, the same. I think primarily right now, um, it's almost all creatives, behind the scenes creatives, uh, Definitely creeping up there. And I feel like the celebrity creative is really what puts you on the map. But I'm loving my clients right now. And they're driving which projects I take. So That's fantastic. Now, yeah. Jeff, obviously, you had some celebrity clients. But aside from celebrities, do you do behind-the-scenes creative types? Like, who do you work for? Anyway. Yeah, I'll do anything. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I've had my share of, of celebrity clients, which I love, and there's a certain energy to that. And then that spills over into the jobs that you're offered and the people that contact me to work with me. But it's definitely not a prerequisite of projects that we take on. And it, it runs the gamut, our clients, from celebrities and behind-the-scenes creatives to families, a lot of families, right. and bachelors and single women. Like It's sort of all over the place. But I, I have to say that there's a certain energy that you get with working with other creatives, whether they're actors and actresses or producers or even people in the legal entertainment capacity like there's an energy and there's a not I don't I don't want to say competition but there's a great way to collaborate with them it's a constant for me that people that come in that have a lot to say about what they want and have a lot to say about how they want to live and how they've always pictured their life being and then they come to me to sort of help them realize that I feel like there's a great energy that comes from those particular types of clients Right. Because I was going to say, and Betsy, maybe you can talk about this. I think in L.A., people are very visually sophisticated and design sophisticated. Even if you're not in the movie business or the TV business, it's such a part of the town. It's almost inescapable. And obviously, if you get a celebrity client, that's a great calling card to other people who work with that person or whatever. But I would think that even a lawyer, you know, a finance person or accountant who comes to you, Betsy, would be maybe a little more sophisticated. No, it's absolutely spot on. There's a level of sophistication. There's a knowledge of design, art, the fine arts. There's also an interactivity with the arts that I think a lot of people, certainly in the big cities in LA, for sure. There's so many actors here. There's so many actors slash something else here mm -hmm. that you wouldn't even know them for their acting. But they live somewhere too. And it's really interesting. I think you're right, Jeff. The, the energy is definitely, and the pace is quick. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Because especially people, well, all entertainment people, but people behind the camera, like the performers are used to things happening so fast and sets going up quickly and right. things revolving around them. And so it's interesting to be on that side of the camera, you could say, when you're working on someone's home, which is not a set. And, you know, when I was working with a lot of the Kardashian Jenners, like when I was, especially when I was working with Kris Jenner, people thought it was like I was doing a set. And I'm like, I'm not designing a set. I'm designing a home. This is real life. There just happens to be cameras right. around all the time. And it's in right. 30 countries or something crazy like that. But it is real life. And it's interesting because the clients that I have that are just 
I want to say normal people, meaning they're not, <laughs> right. they're, I mean, everybody's normal, but they're not in the entertainment industry or they're not famous. And they always refer to my famous clients like, well, I don't have the budget of Lady Gaga or, and I'm like, it's really not about that. It's right. you, you have your own budget and you have your own taste and we're going to get to the bottom of what it is that's going to make this project successful. Right. right. And Mimi, what about you? You're a little bit your firm has not been established quite as long as Jeff and Betsy. So who are the people who come to you and what are they looking for? It's definitely a new creative class. Actually, some of, one of my other repeat clients, she said, she's like, well, a lot of your clients are new money. I was like, oh, wow, you're really right. <laughs> but I wouldn't even think there was old money in L.A. I think of all of L.A. As I, w- I was going to say, don't even say that in front of Michael, because like <laughs> no. the whole state is new money. Any money is good money. Any money works. (laughs) All money is good. It's green. You know. I was going to say that. I mean, anyone that's really can afford to work with a designer, let's be honest, definitely is bringing something to the table. Like if they're successful in any of their creative endeavors, congratulations, first of all. That's amazing. And they're usually bringing something to the table, which for me is the best part of the job. It's so collaborative. I mean... It's the director, the writer, so many aspects that they're they're leveling me up so much. So yeah. I'm really enjoying that. But and I will yeah. say also, speaking to you, Betsy, about families, I have done so many family homes. I recently finally have a client with three much older boys. And I was like, oh, hallelujah. Yeah. I can <laughs> finally use like velvets Stop. and mohairs and <laughs> Stop using sunbrella. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> No offense to Sunbrella. Thank goodness you're there. Thank goodness we have that. I had a client rub avocado into some creamy boucle until it finally set. And he's like, oh, it has to sit for six hours. And then we'll test it and see if it comes out. I mean, it's so crazy. Families, right? Everybody's dramatic in L.A. They want things to be literally indestructible. And I'm like, they're nothing. That's that's nothing. Nothing is perfect. Um, I try. We try real hard, though. Of course. Yeah, (laughs) always. Now, Jeff, you had mentioned things going fast. And one of the things that always amazes me about L.A. is the real estate situation, the real estate turnover. In New York or the East Coast where I live, maybe you move every 10, 15 years. It seems like people in L.A., I know certain people, it's like, I'll say, oh, is this still their address? And they say, oh, no, that was two addresses ago. And it's only been like five years. And I think that probably inspires people to want new things. You know, you move to a new house, you get different light, you have a different architecture, all of that. So I think, is that one reason why designers are, A, so many good designers in L.A.? But do you think that's a factor in your business? As far as that they move a lot? Yes. And they, you know, you get repeat clients. Well, yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with money too. Like, you know, (laughs) of course, what I mean, you know, the more money you make, then you feel like you want to go up to the next level. And that's happened with a lot of my clients. And then I'm always wondering, am I going to get to go to the next one? And sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't like, Mm -hmm. because people like to reinvent themselves in this town sometimes i find interesting and they don't always want the same style they don't always want the same kind of architecture they want to mix it up completely and i don't take it personally each relationship that i've had with my clients i'm still friends with everybody there's been really nothing negative or any downfalls but people evolve and people move on to different things that they want to experience in their life, just like we do as designers. Like there's clients that I haven't really chosen to move forward with. 
in my career. And that's just for personal reasons or for growth reasons or for if I know exactly what to expect. Sometimes I don't want that experience again. I want a different experience. So I'm okay with that happening with clients, with people that I've worked with. And I think it's good for me to do that in my own life too. Like Because as designers, we're just as responsible for our happiness as the clients are for theirs. So we have to realize that every project is an experience. It's like a relationship. It's like a friendship. It's kind of like a romance. It comes and it goes. It gets better. It gets worse. But we have the right to pick who we're involved with in our lives. And I think it it took me a long time to get to the point where I believed that, that I felt strongly enough that, okay, I'm good. If I start turning down projects, everything's not going to dry up and go away. Like, And then I got happier in my career. Like, I got happier in the process and the work. And I feel like that's a really great place to get to in your life and in your career. A very interesting point because, I, you know, I always used to say, you know, you're successful when you can afford to say no. <laughs> but I think that that idea that it is a relationship, whether it's a, a brief fling or a long-term relationship, like you said, both parties have the right to end it. And for various reasons, maybe the client's difficult or maybe they just want the same thing replicated and you don't want to do that again. There's all sorts of reasons. I think that's a very valid thing. And, I, you know, I've heard designers complain, oh, the client wasn't loyal. They wanted the more glamorous, bigger name person. But maybe that's a blessing. I think that's so interesting what you're saying. So Mimi, what about you? Because I would assume that your clients, you said you had some repeat clients, but I imagine you're getting, not that you're that new to the city, but you're getting people coming to you for the first time. What do they want you to do for them? Well, it's funny that you brought that up being a relationship because I always say to them at the beginning of the process, I said, well, we're going to go through a dating phase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to get to know you. Exactly. You're going to get to know me. You're going to trust me. And then I'm going to slowly, you know, your project will start infiltrating my mind at all hours of the night. I'm sure that happens to, you know, you, you can only take on so many because your mind is just flooded with like a solution, right? Somewhere in their house, you're fixing this problem. But so the dating phase happens. And then Honestly, I really try, and this was told to me when I first started. They said, oh, well, you need to have a brand. You need to have a look. This is what's going to help you sell. And I, there are absolutely very successful designers out there that are hitting that quickly. Personally, I feel like the future is really seeing more of that collaboration with your client and having each project look differently. I totally agree with you. There's always such a pressure, especially when you're at the beginning of your career to have like a signature style. And I'm like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like, (laughs) why would I want to look the same? Why would I want someone to go, oh, there's Jeff Andrews. Like, I want it to be every time they see something, oh, that's Jeff Andrews. Consistently, you look amazing. Well, hopefully, but every client is different and everybody that I feel like that's what keeps it interesting is like, taking on different projects where this one's traditional, this one's super modern, this is a family, this is a bachelor, like, and totally different looks and styles. Like in the book that I released a couple years ago, that process was so cathartic for me, just looking back at projects and looking at current projects and trying to come up with a common thread. And luckily, I didn't have to because the theme was the new glamour, which is really about how personal everything is to you. The new glamour is like the glamour that makes you feel glamorous. It's not anything else that anybody's ever done or told you to do. And so it really made me embrace the fact that 
we're allowed to do so many different things in this career and work with different people and change our mind. Like, I like this today and I might not like it tomorrow. And it's the same with everybody in their own home, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, I think oh, it's, yeah. it speaks to the point that the three of us here are from fashion. I mean, it's it's a cycle. I feel right. like it, and I don't want to wear a silk blouse every single day. I, I definitely want to change it up and look like something else tomorrow and try something else on and try something else in five years. Not that I'm advocating for fast fashion or, or changing your interiors right. every on a whim by, by no means. But some clients, when they ask me for the kitchen that they're going to have for the next 30 years, I'm like, I'd love to say that that's going to stay, but I that's promise you in 15, 15 to 20 years, this is going to, you're going to want to change time. something. I yeah. guarantee it. Except the 10 is max, right? I mean. Yeah. I, I'm not actually from fashion though. I don't have a fashion background. That's right. I was a choreographer okay. though. I'm from Amazing. Like, yeah. So it's honestly, I've talked to musicians and it's such a similar process. I feel like the creative process is the creative process and the yeah, way that you find solutions runs the all across all industries. A hundred percent. Well, and what we do on a project is essentially production, right? It could be a TV show, a film. It's this, you know, it's a process. And I think, I mean, the outcome hopefully is glamorous, but the process isn't. And yet interior design is thought of that way. And we're really in the trenches doing a project and everything. Yeah. Doing yeah. everything. With, yeah. a, with thousands <laughs> of details. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying our podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I'm the co-founder and president of Cherish. If you're a designer who's struggling with long lead times from suppliers and increasingly impatient clients, now is the time to shop with us. Our vintage antique and one-of-a-kind inventory is ready to ship right now. To learn more, visit Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com. And now back to the show. As an East Coast person, one of the things that I, I love and amazes me about L.A., and of course, when people complain about the driving, is it is such a sprawling city and it has such distinctive neighborhoods. You know, I mean, if you want to think, you know, there's Highland Park, there's Silver Lake, there's Beverly Hills, there's Venice, there's downtown L.A., like Laurel Canyon. People have images of these neighborhoods. So do you think that still that's true that these neighborhoods retain their special qualities or is there become as the city has densified, shall we say, and people have, are moved more often is it's things getting homogenized and how does that affect how you approach a project in a particular neighborhood? Mimi? Well, I was going to say, it's funny. I was thinking about that, the whole homogenization of, of California culture, which has been happening for a long time now. When I traveled pre COVID to Paris and then luckily enough, I was able to go to like Tokyo or something the following year. Both cities had their department stores designed with exports of California culture, like surfboards and palm trees. And it was so very jarring to me. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was it was crazy. And to me, that it kind of made me sad. It made me sad because I wanted to go to Paris to see French things. Right, <laughs> I wanted to right. go to Tokyo to, to see more things. I mean, it, it's cool, I guess, to see the cross-pollinization of all these ideas, but... I love the character of all the different neighborhoods and I, I I love visiting them and I would hate to have Venice feel like Holly. Personally, I think it would be sad to lose that. And I feel like that's happening in architecture, which I'm slowly backdooring my way into now, finally. I feel like we're definitely seeing less of the teardown, full teardowns, Italianite mansions going up entirely, or even just modern stucco boxes. But there's 
much more of a careful consideration of the existing architecture, trying to preserve it. And quite honestly, it's much more expensive, but I think it's really beautiful to see some of what's been there for a hundred years now. And in California, that's a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that there's a lot of mining for authenticity. There is some Spanish, some Mediterranean colonial detail on this house. Let's really see how far we can take that to preserve that. So I think, Michael, there is, you're right, Mimi, I think there is this turn toward, oh, you know, I live in a neighborhood called Hancock Park, which is one of the older neighborhoods and has these grand homes, but people can't tear them down here because there's there's a historic preservation intact here. So we have to really renovate with a lot of parameters. And I think that That's kind of nice. I mean, it's a pain when you put a new roof on and you have to go through a lot of song and dance, but it's also really quite, quite lovely. And it does retain the feeling of Hancock Park when you drive through here. You and you know that's why people want to live there. You know, that's why people want to live there. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Me too. I I too. I live adjacent to you. I live in uh, Miracle Mile. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And we just went through an extensive renovation. We have a a 1930 Spanish house, which I love. But I have to say, I'm not going Spanish on the interiors. And I feel like a lot of people, even though they're buying the Mediterranean house in Hidden Hills, or they're buying the ranch house in the Palisades, they don't necessarily want the interiors to reflect that. So yes, we have to pay attention, or I pay attention to the architecture. But a lot of times the interiors become a whole different world. I don't feel like they have to stick to what's going on on the outside. A lot of times I'd rather not, actually. Right. You know, don't you agree, you guys? Yes, absolutely. I, I think we don't need to be a slave to, yeah. to every no, aspect of it. No, we don't. And that is one of the trends I'm seeing is asking me for, I'm doing a, a really modern home in the Palisades and on the inside, she's from Dallas. She likes traditional. So we are doing yeah. plates on the walls and a lot of wallpaper. It's really cool. And I feel like, so there is that looking for authenticity, but on the flip side is this other trend of, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want Spanish. We want this, you know, let's take Spanish in this direction. How far can we take it in this direction and have it still look cool with the outside? Yeah. And still pay homage to the beautiful details that are within the house. Yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think that's why clients come to you designers because nobody wants to live in a museum period room. I mean, it just doesn't work in the 21st century here, but people love history and they want to have some sense of that. But how do you make it work for now? And, you know, like, again, I think most clients, I wouldn't want to necessarily live in a Spanish Mediterranean style house with all that dark furniture. It just isn't as appealing as it was at one time. So how do you make that keeping the beauty of that? And people don't know how to do that, which is where you guys come in. You know, I think that's so important. I also feel like the interiors are really where you're expressing yourself, right? I feel like that's the expression of you. I mean, I love the idea of a Texas interior in a Pacific Palisades right. ranch house. That sounds like so much fun and totally different. I just want to see new yeah. things. That sounds amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. agreed. Yeah. Just new yeah. juxtapositions, right? I mean, that's that's what you want to see. Yeah, it's really actually making all of the... I'm doing fancy window treatments. I haven't been asked to do that in forever. I mean, that's really, it's challenging for me because I don't even know the language of a fancy window treatment and I'm learning things at my age, but it is making for a really interesting project and a real surprise when you walk in the front door, which is always, always great. 
And that's so fun as a designer, isn't it? To, to be able to stretch your design muscles and like do something that normally you would have been like, ew, about. And then you're like, okay, but I'm going to put my twist on it. I'm going to do it this way. And it's going to be, I'm going to give you the swags. I'm going to give you the tiebacks, but it's going to be this fabric. And it's going to be, I'm going to put this trim on it. Trim, believe it or not. And it's going to look trim amazing. Trim back, right? Yeah. Trim is totally back. Like I, I'm, I'm all about back. it. What about tiebacks? I mean, I'm. Yes, I'm, I love them. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> let's do tiebacks. Anyway. Well, you have to have curtains before you can do the tie back. Yeah. So there you go. You know? Samuel and Sons. You got to go to Samuel and Sons. It's <laughs> right. the best. Right. Right. So I wanted to get a sense because also in L.A., there's lots of new builds. There are teardowns and new builds. So what do you think? I, I'm talking about your level of clients, people who come to you. What do they dream of now in terms of their ideal home? Is it something that reflects the past? Do they want an all glass, all in white interior? Is that... Or is it just such a varied thing? Because the other thing that's always amazed me about L.A. is you do have the Neo-Georgian next to the Hollywood Regency, next to the 50s case study house looking modern thing. In one neighborhood, they'll all be there together. So what do you think the clients are really, what do they find appealing at the moment? It sounds obvious, but indoor-outdoor is so huge that I am always looking for outdoor resources. Like, I just don't feel again, educated enough in what are my options? Because everybody's living outside. I mean, we're fortunate enough to be able to, but that's huge. And it's not gone away. It's only gotten more and more. And it's had a huge impact across the country. Even in the Northeast, you know, people want to be outside in November, outdoor kitchens, fire pits, anything to be outside. I don't care how cold it's starting to get, maybe when the snow comes. But that and that came out of L.A., particularly in California, look, that's such an L.A. thing. But I would have thought you guys had that perfected by now. I guess in a way we do. We have a lot of ideas, but it's always the next level. How do we challenge ourselves and how do we figure something new out? And I had to do a pickleball court. You know, I mean, there's... there's, there's <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like, Wait, you don't want to keep the tennis court? Like tennis, I could get my mind around. So there's a lot to learn. And exterior architecture and renovation and remodels have been a huge part of what I've... I know a lot about fireplaces, too, lately. You know, so many outdoor fireplaces. So... Mm -hmm. Well, and indoor, indoor fireplaces have changed so much, too, haven't they? Like, they're so restrictive. They're restrictive, and you have to always make them better somehow, and I remove them. In speaking to your point about having things perfected, it's like, I don't feel like I have really anything totally perfected. Even after all this time, after doing this for 20 years, it's like, there's always a different challenge. There's always a different set of parameters that you're going to be tossed from any different client because their their needs are also different. And just when you think you know them, they throw something else totally off the wall into the mix. And it's interesting going back to working with celebrities, like because you feel like you know them in a different way, which you really don't. And you're like, oh, she's going to love this hates it. Like it's, <laughs> it's literally like you can't even buy into the persona of anything you think you know about someone until you really know them and you're actually working in their home and helping them create their home. The list of what people ask, it's across the board, man. Don't you guys think? Yeah. I mean, there are certain, there are certain trends though. It's not white walls right now. It's definitely a lot of wallpaper, right? And for me, and a lot of steel windows. So that's an interesting juxtaposition right there. Wallpaper, steel windows. Yeah, make that work. 
I mean, I think it does, though. It can. I just got really into white walls, so I'm uh, kind of on the... I like wallpaper and white walls, but I just literally painted my whole house white, and that's the first time I've ever done that. Well, maybe you're starting a new trend, Jeff. Yeah, maybe it's coming back around so fast again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's look at it like that. I'm setting a new trend. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it. No, you never know. But Betsy, you mentioned something about resources. You were mentioning indoor, outdoor, not feeling you. But one of the things that always impressed me about LA and as an outsider, obviously I don't live there, but is the accessibility to design. You know, it's like in New York, there's, if you're a designer, there's basically two buildings. You go to the D&D or you go to 200 Lex and that's where all the showrooms are. And LA, I mean, there's the PDC, which is massive, but then there's La Cienega, there's Melrose. Do you think that makes your clients more sophisticated or are they still all shopping online? But you know, this so much design is available on the street, even as you're walking by, you can see it. I find that really fun and exciting in LA. Does it have an, an influence on your clients? I feel like most of them are looking online. Most yeah. of them are getting so. their their inspiration from from Instagram and Pinterest and the plethora of websites that are out there. They're coming to us with so many different ideas that are all over the place. So it's yeah. it's never been more difficult to take this. It used to be like a little folder of tear sh- ripped out pages from a magazine mm-hmm. that they'd been collecting for the last 10 years. But now it's like, I'm going to invite you to my Pinterest page. And like, it's a lot. it's a lot to decipher i have multiple pinterest boards for clients i have the ones that they're allowed to go on to late night because some of them you know they smoke a little bit smoke something and go on and yeah yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden there's three thousand things for me to sort through that i just kind of (laughs) it's a lot isn't it it's a lot it's a lot that's just there for them to go through and then they kind of they look back on it the next day they have a good laugh and they're like okay let's edit that down a little so. Yeah, <laughs> But I also think the accessibility of design here in the street, the different streets that are little hamlets for interiors, it can also be very overwhelming for people. I mean, I think that's another reason they turn to us is how do I uh, like make sense of this for me? Am I in a this mood or am I in Beverly Hills mood or am I in the Venice mood? Help me decide how to balance all of this. So, yeah. so it's not so, like a bad um, fusion deal, right? You want yeah, some sort of yeah. <laughs> there's some sort of through there's some sort of through line, and even on those Pinterest boards, sometimes I look at them and I think, oh, so you really like red? And they'll say, I do, but there's red in every single photo, <laughs> you know. So you, we're here to sort of make sense. Yeah, of people it. don't know themselves often. That's the other thing. Yeah, you, they don't they don't see the obvious stuff sometimes. Right, right. When right. a client says to me that, that they hate to shop, I'm like, yes. Because (laughs) shopping with a client can be just the worst, like, because it just opens up Pandora's box of like the possible bad directions that things could go. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's better when it's when it's more controlled in our hands and we edit it down what you show them. Right. Yeah. And then show them the best stuff. It's just I feel like that's the way it's always worked with interior designers and clients. And it probably it works that way less now because there is so much information and so many so much visual candy for people and everything is so accessible like gone are the days of like things really being only to the trade now it's it's pretty much across the board like you have to be transparent with everything which I've always been anyway but I know designers in the past were not but I think that our clients have to trust us to literally bring them the best things that we can find that fit the parameters of what they're looking for and also keep the big picture in mind of the home that we're working on right 
Right. So does this dispersal of the antique stores, the fabric stores, the Pacific Design Center, does that actually make your life then in a way more difficult? Because like in New York, you could basically go to two buildings and you can get 90% done. You're obviously not antiques, but even you can get a lot of antiques too. But you guys, it's geographically dispersed. I mean, it's not, we're not talking hour drive away, but does that make your life on a day-to-day basis more difficult? Or do you just know the stores and the resources that you go to time after time? I think we all have our favorite resources, but it's nice to know that there are others out there that we could maybe discover. They may not even be new ones. I like the proximity to that much design because there's always a place that someone tells me about that I haven't been to. Or, You know what's coming back around again also is clients wanting to shop with me. Ew. Watch out, Jeff. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> maybe one shopping trip at the beginning, just to kind of like in, in the dating phase, maybe. Exactly. Right? Get to like, know each other. Yeah. yeah. Like have one date at the PDC, one date on Highland Avenue, like uh-huh. that kind of thing, but not like on the daily. Ugh. I mean, I wish we had that kind of time. I don't know how much time you guys spend shopping, but I wish it were more in my case. I'm more on a job site or something, I guess, than I am shopping. And shopping such an important and wonderful part of my job that I, I wish I had more time and I wish I had time to shop with every client. Anyway, I'm getting asked lately, can't we shop together? You know, I, it's not post-pandemic, but it's some something that came as a result of all of us always being online. Yeah. Yeah, you probably true. just wanted to hang, hang out with you too. You look fun, you know? Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, have that's part I, of it. People want to go I out. I have my you know? mamas. Yeah, that's true. I, they don't understand that I don't like to go out, but. <laughs> I don't either. But I do agree with you, Betsy, that like, when you actually do take a day and you're, you're like, you start, you're like, well, I have to go look at this one thing at the PDC. And then you're like, oh, let's look around. And then you get inspired because you, you actually see things that you've only been seeing online or you, or you're only seeing the stuff that the people in your office are putting in front of you. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like my girls are great at sourcing. Amazing. And it's like, it makes me, you know, sometimes I get a little complacent and it's nice to get out there in the world now that we can and see what's really going on and the way it's merchandised and how things are put together and the new things to see them in person is such, it's such a revelation sometimes I find because I find that when I source stuff just from tear sheets, I mean, and put rooms together without seeing stuff in person, proportion can be really a problem. Scale is hard. Yeah, Yeah, scale gets like, you really have to like comb it. Mimi, I'm sure you're great at that because you're an architect, so. Oh, trust me though. I've definitely gotten pieces like, oh, whoops, I forgot to check that dimension. (laughs) Like, oh, I thought that lamp was really tall. It's like a table lamp. (laughs) Like, I thought it was a floor lamp. Like, That's the details that you're so careful. I mean, I, I had a bathroom come in once, just one little Baroque detail came in, it was ultra minimal shadow. I was like, oops, how did that get by everybody? (laughs) I know. And that's what I say too. Didn't you see this? Like, (laughs) I should have seen it 100%. It's it's always new. I mean, take the blame at the end. But But I I think LA is full of like, one of the things you said, Jeff, you got to look at one thing. Like, let's say you go to Joel Chen to look at one thing. Eight hours later, you could leave that place not even remembering what you came to look for. There's such a wealth of stuff there. You know, Black and Cruz, they always have such fascinating things. I think that it's such a cool factor in L.A. And I think that's what people look to so much. What's the cool thing? And it's often, like you said, not they're not new, but those people have an eye that's always going to see 
two steps ahead of everybody else. And they are sort of the cool dealers, antiquers, whatever, whatever you want to call them. You well, know? you know what else, Michael? There's no rules here. Right. I mean, I, I am not a native. I've been here a long time now, but I was struck with, oh my God, nobody, she's wearing cowboy boots with cutoffs. Like, what is this city? I mean, when I first got here, I couldn't believe it because I had a really- You are a Connecticut girl, a proper Connecticut girl, baby. I, uh, that's right. And so that is really appealing. And I think that is appealing for the world when they, you know, when you travel to Tokyo and they, they want to be like L.A. It's because we mix stuff up and we, maybe we don't, we're not period savvy. We just know what we like and what's cool and what's happening and the sun is shining and we kind of do our own thing here. Because we're allowed to. Because like, we're allowed we're, to. We, we're allowed to, like our creativity is cultivated here to be whatever we want to be and to have your own design voice. And that's why people come to us because that's what we do. That's what we create. And it is different here, I think, than it is on the East Coast for sure. I mean, there's great designers everywhere. Don't, of course. You know, for of sure. Course. But it is a, it's, it's a more laid back seeming town. I mean, it's still just as intense, just as intense as anywhere else. But I but, think more experimental. It seems like people are more willing to let you guys try things than... Right. I think, I think so, too. I think people are brave and they're used to it. It's not like, I think I'm going to be brave. They just are here. I think there's just more acceptance. Mm-hmm. And people are a little flashier and a little more individualistic. So they want their home to be different. They don't want the same thing that anybody else has. They want it to be personalized and something special and unique. I mean, listen, movies and TV are, and, you know, are filmed around the country, but still the ideas and the visions come from L.A. And those are so incredibly powerful, and which, of course, leads me back to what you touched on, Jeff, which is the celebrity culture. And we L.A. makes more celebrities than any place else. We have celebrities in New York, happily. But you guys, that's where talent people go. They become celebrities. Their talent gets them. It's Hollywood. So, Hollywood. It's, it's Hollywood. Hollywood. It's Hollywood. So I'd love to get a sense. I mean, but I know it's a mixed blessing. Getting a celebrity client can be a mixed blessing. I've heard this from unnamed designers. We won't name any names. They say they can be great to work with or they can be nightmares. You know, they want to expect everything for free. But don't worry, I'll get you into this magazine or that magazine. Of course, getting in a magazine is not as powerful as, as it once was, but I'll get you a million Instagram followers or whatever. So it's like a trade-off. And I'm, I, you know, I don't want, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush because I know there are famous people who are wonderful and great clients. But is it something that maybe is that something that you aspire to that you want to get a celebrity client or something you don't even think about? It's crossed my mind. I mean, certainly people I are like, how gonna, not. Yeah. You know? I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's what's going to would bring me X amount of more clients. But honestly, I'm I'm not in a rush for some odd reason to get really big. Maybe I'm just happy. I feel like my move out of fashion, to be honest, was because I was too stressed out and I didn't Mm -hmm. want that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I love California because of the fact that, first of all, I still look like a rock star because of how hard I work. I feel like (laughs) no matter what, I'm doing so much work in the period of time that I don't want to work all weekend. I don't want to work all night. I don't want to have a level of stress that makes me sick or I think that's the part of LA that I love is being mm-hmm. able to enjoy it. So I have enough clients. I feel like most designers that are worth hiring right now, if you're not super busy, 
you maybe should think about a different career because everybody out yeah. here is really busy. I mean, yeah. no, I've heard crazy. that universally across across the country. Everybody's busy at the moment, although maybe it's exactly things might change. Know, but again, I think as with all the real estate turnovers and people buying houses, selling houses, that there are more jobs than there are, say, in in Manhattan or. The Hamptons, all the plenty of jobs in the Hamptons, but whatever. But, you know, it seems like that's more, there's more turnover of projects. So what about you, Bessie? I mean, is it, and we'll get to you, Jeff, because you have the celebrity clients and I'm sure you have good things to say about them. Um, <laughs> at least a few. But is it something that you've aspired to or do you think it's important? Does it, does it, I guess what I'm asking is, does it give you an imprimatur out in LA itself? Because the city is as, celebrity obsessed as anywhere else in the United States. You know, my patience isn't as long as it once was. And so funny how that happens. (laughs) We kind of have a we kind of have a no celebrity rule. I've had them. Mixed bag is a really great expression. I don't know how much I can say about this, but I don't know. I never say no if it's a great project. I'll always look at it from the point of view of the project. But in my experience, which is long now, the celebrity part is usually a negative. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that, Jeff? Hmm. Do you see that as per se? Like in no, a list of pros and cons for yeah. me, for me, just in my experience, right. it doesn't mean it's yours. No, of course, yeah. of course. It totally depends on the person. It's like each client is totally different. Each celebrity is totally different. They're still, they're still just people. It really depends on personality and the accessibility of the celebrity slash client because if you're if you're like two people separated from them at all times there's no way to get anything done like you have to have direct access to them as much as you can which is not always possible but there has to still be there has to be communication and sometimes especially with you know the bigger the celebrity or the more busy the celebrity the more people underneath so it's like trying to get to the information that you need to do a good job, like to set you up for success. So if the celebrity is um, has a great camp and great people around them that are going to get you the information you need and get you the certain amount of FaceTime that you need with that person, then it's great. And if they're not, it just, it makes it quite difficult to, like I said, be set up for success because you have to hear it directly from someone's mouth, what it is that they want, because it's like, What's that game where you tell somebody and they tell somebody else and they tell some, like it all gets watered down and you're not getting the real information. You have to going back to the the relationship with a client and a designer, you have to have communication. So I think that's probably one of the more difficult things about working with celebrities. The other part, all the other parts don't bother me, like the wanting stuff to be flashy or wanting it to be fast or wanting it to be subdued or not being able to talk about it like yeah, you NDAs, know, the NDAs and all that stuff. Like, I'm fine with that. I mean, and a lot of people that I've worked with are quite out there. So <laughs> I didn't have to hide anything. But um, <laughs> they don't care. Right? They don't care. The more, the better. But then others are not. So mm-hmm. I don't look at anything negatively about somebody being in the entertainment business or being a celebrity or being a star. There is an energy that comes with it that. There's um, certainly attention that comes. It is. Them. Like when I was younger or when I first started working with any celebrities, like, you know, I was more nervous. Like mm-hmm. I was more, it was more intense for me. But now it's like, I just want to get the information and do a good job and get my work done. You know, I just, I want to do something amazing. I want to create. So 
yeah, I don't know. I don't find there to be a lot of negatives. It's just, it's a case-by-case basis. Right. Well, it's interesting to go back to the dating analogy that you guys brought up. I guess it's hard if you have the first date with the celebrity and then you don't get another call for three weeks or whatever. <laughs> you know, that's not, doesn't bode well for the for the dating process. And I'm sure it doesn't bode well for the design process either. But, you know, at the same time, the world is looking. I mean, we, I naively thought I mean, when I was young, 30 years ago, that celeb culture was going to eventually would die out. You know, that this obsession with celebrities and talk about being wrong, you know, I mean, no way, no way. And it never will. I finally come to accept that. And you guys live in the hotbed of it. So I'm sure it's something you have to think about, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm, you have to think about, I'm not saying a celebrity is calling you to hire you, but it's just out, it's pervasive in the atmosphere out there, you know, and you walk down the street and there's somebody, oh, you recognize them from this TV show or that movie or whatever. And it just, is I mean that happens in New York, but not nearly as often as in LA. I have so, an actually um, a funny story about when I was a lot younger and starting out my I, I had done a couple of big projects. I had gotten published, but it was really early in my career and we got a call in the office and somebody said, Ellen DeGeneres is on the phone, Betsy. And I was like, What? Oh my God. And like you know what was going through my mind was, Oh, I'm huge. Like everything's gonna be great. I pick up the phone, it's Ellen DeGeneres, and she's calling not to hire me, but to ask me if one of the projects I did in the magazine was for sale. And it was like the biggest roller coaster in 10 minutes. Like, it was just, <laughs> it, that's just so, right. that's so indicative of what it's like with celebrity culture, living so close to it. You could get a call from a huge celebrity And it's so not what you expected. I mean, I don't know. I just thought that was, and it was a really good lesson for me too. And anyway, but she was, she was lovely on the phone, but I. Right. No career. It's also not always like, right. I know that feeling. I've gotten emails like that before. Working with celebrities doesn't necessarily, it's not really a calling card. I mean, it helps, I think, in certain areas of a design career, but it also can alienate you from, from other great projects that could happen because you seem exposed or because you work with celebrities, they think they they can't afford you or you're too busy. So they don't even give you the shot. And they assume you're a snob and, you know, you know, yeah. yeah, Or, or they just assume you're, you're not private. Like you you can't keep a secret, but then also the other celebrities, it doesn't necessarily lead to more of them because, Oh no, he works for her. I don't want to work with him. I want, you know, they want to create their own situation that's going to take them to the forefront. So it definitely, it's great for, I think it's been great for my career design wise, but I don't think, I don't think it's made it. And I don't think it will continue to make it. I think good design is what makes a good designer. Right. And that returns us to the point I was trying to make at the beginning is that LA is a big city and it has all kinds of people, all kinds of professions, all kinds of architecture, all kinds of neighborhoods. So to be a designer there, there's tons of opportunity, but you have to, as you guys all do, know what you're doing, understand the nature of architecture, light, design, scale, all that stuff. And whatever the vision is that your clients come to you, and most of them, I'm sure, can't really articulate it that well, and they give you 8,000 Pinterest pages, but you have to make sense of all of that. And in a city that's so diverse, even in architectural styles, it's so diverse, 
that's not an easy thing to do. And I give you guys enormous credit for being so successful in the city and making your clients so happy. And that's, to me, very, very impressive. Thank um, you. That's so, nice of you. Thank yeah, you, Michael. No, no. And um, so I, you know, I really appreciate your, your taking the time from your busy celebrity-filled schedules. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the Cherish Podcast. You've been listening to the Cherish Podcast, brought to you, of course, by Cherish which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hanger Studios in New York. Until next time.